millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome back to the Football Rambles Guide 2, your football equivalent of the battered AA map under the passenger seat. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Jim Campbell. I'm Andy Russell. And I'm Pete Donaldson. This time around, we focus our attention on the most inescapable day in modern football. The window is shut. Transfer deadline day. At its best, it's a day full of shock moves, marquee signings and sometimes dildos. Now let me give you a little bit of background on the Tom Cleverley situation. At its worst, it's a day where reporters hang around car parks trying to make Stoke City's late attempts to add a bit of squad depth sound like a front-page scoop. Went from uh, Tottenham to Stoke. I was sat in the McDonald's on a Target roundabout. I looked at, uh, <laughs> at my phone just checking what was happening and apparently I was in a helicopter circling Staffordshire whilst I was sitting there with a the Big Mac. In the age of instant news, the makeup of deadline day has changed, but the attempt to force it into being some weird mix of a national holiday and American drafts persists. However much it changes, one thing remains true. It's at its best when everybody involved is completely disorganised. He turned up an hour ago. He was refused entry to the building. I spoke to the chief exec, Phil Beard, and he said he wasn't allowed into the building because they would never show West Bromwich Albion the disrespect of speaking to a player when they didn't have permission to speak to him. Peter Odenwingi is somewhere in London. It doesn't look like this move to QPR is happening. Will your club dust off the fax machine and sign the player they badly need? Will one of the summer's drawn-out transfer sagas finally be resolved? In a game of haves and have-nots, will the haves splash the cash to have even more than the have-nots have? 
Will I be able to say that line in one take? <laughs> Will Jim ever approach his copywriting duties with professionalism? Let's disregard that and get back to the point, which is, as this intro slams shut, the Football Rambles Guide to Transfer Deadline Day. Well done, Marcus. I mean, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We're back Hello. again. Here it's we transfer go. deadline day. Give him big long ties out. <laughs> yellow ties. Yellow, long yellow ties. I think the, yellow tie, the day the yellow tie is over, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, it is. But Pete's a very nostalgic man. I am, yeah. Do you have to be a long tie? Can't you have a I'm 14 at secondary school? Like, sort I just, of I just, shorty. <laughs> just like peanut. peaks between your pecs. Yes. I, I just remember there was a horrible photo shoot where Jim White had his yellow tie sort of draped over a female colleague on that, uh, on that Sky promo pictures. I can't remember who it was, but it was uh, an edifying. Yes, indeed. Best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, uh, gentlemen, transfer deadline day is tomorrow. When you hear the words deadline day, what's the first thing that springs to mind other than Jim White and, and yellow ties? It's, it's a £1 million move for a Leicester uh, mid-carder for me. <laughs> um, like, uh, actually, we can't afford it. Which actually can't afford it. Um, uh, can I shock you? I'm actually quite in a transfer deadline day these days. <laughs> yeah. So I've just, I've just, I've gone full, you know, 180. Done a full 180 on it. Can't beat him joining, Pete. Can't beat him joining. I was like, you know what? I, yeah. I, I'm quite enjoying this. Yeah. 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 Jim? <laughs> uh, it's the music for me. It's the Sky Sports News music. Oh, right. Um, just the sort of thing. It's like a sense. Memory. Now we have that with Andy Brassel, who's exactly, on yeah. There. Speaking yeah. of can't beat him, join them. Yeah. You're, you're part, of the, part of the fabric now, Andy. Why have you, Andy, why have you not been picked up for this kind of Because you're ideal for it, because you know every footballer. And like most of the Sky presenters, uh, with the greatest respect, certainly do not. Well, no, when he, you, he when knows you say about the football, he that, doesn't that's know it. them. When, when you say you know every footballer, you've made it sound like. All right, Dave, you go to Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, exactly. not quite like that, yeah. is it? The Always putting I... bets on for them, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> not the, the thing I look forward to most about transfer deadline day, traditionally, yeah. has been Arsenal. I think I always think of deadline day swoop. Mm. I think of Arsenal, that little tunnel on the way into the car park at the Emirates, mm. people gathering outside, getting super excited by the statue. Just above the armory. Yeah. I okay. also think of that little roundabout, and I think of Brian Swanson in the middle in the snow. Oh, oh Brian. Yeah. Oh, Brian. It's all bloody Arsh Arvin's fault, that, wasn't it? That yeah. was a weird August. <laughs> <laughs> a sign of things to come. Yeah. Uh, we asked our listeners the same question. Uh, Dean said, Arm hanging out of car window. Terrific. Perfect. Yeah. Ellis James uh, said, uh, Manchester United are still using. Facts? Question mark. <laughs> and uh, another chap called James just says, "Ear dildo." That was, of course, the time when the uh, Sky Sports News presenter was trying to do uh, a professional job reporting outside uh, a football stadium, and one of the uh, supporters thought it would be hilarious to put a dildo in their ear. That, that we all that we all understand the shorthand of all of those says so much, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Yes, indeed. Yes. Yeah. If it was sort of fairly new to Deadline Day or football, I've heard the word dildo twice. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, just go with it. Um, so uh, the origins of, of Deadline Day, of course. Uh, we discussed a bit of that um, in our Guide to Modern Transfers episode uh, in the summer just gone. The two transfer windows in the summer and in January were only introduced to English football in 2002. Previously, clubs had been able to sign players throughout the season until the 31st of March. So the first summer transfer window began on the 1st of July 2002 and deadline day 
um, came on uh, the 31st of August. And what a deadline day it was. Three transfers were made in English football. Robbie Keane went from Leeds to Spurs for £7 million. And believe it or not, kids, that was a lot of money back then. Uh, Tal went from Everton to Rajo Vallecano. And David Holdsworth went from uh, Birmingham City to Bolton on a free. And then, then it was born, wasn't it? It, it was. was like, wow, this is box office stuff. This and we, is happening. we need to make it a thing. Well, because football transfers have always been a huge part of it, of course, as we yeah. spoke about. I mean, modern transfers. It was always exciting. But to condense it into these windows, well, that was kind of like, oh, a bit different. But then for some reason, clubs felt the need, or not the need, that they weren't organised. And it was condensed into one mad day. It was as if the clubs <laughs> didn't understand the window to begin with. And mm. sometimes I don't think they do because you think you've got the whole summer mm. to get your business in order and then it all kind of just goes mental on that on, on deadline. I think on that, though, because there are so... The, the fees involved are so exorbitant now, uh, mm. even, even sort of what might be you know considered a relatively small transfer fee or quite a middling transfer fee, it's, it's still in millions of pounds, which mm. is a significant outlay for, for any business, however mm. rich you are. Yes. Um is that essentially it has to come down to a game of brinkmanship. And also players have various options. You know, you've got clubs have various options. So it all comes down to like what fits best on that last day. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you really need to balance the books, which most clubs do, I think that's why this, this happens now. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, when we're talking about deadline day, the thing that leaps to my mind is the deadline day on the 1st of September 2008. That was when it became... This monstrous event, it was where unbelievable entertainment. Wasn't I, it? I don't think we'll have a, another deadline day like it. And, and and do you know what, Jim? In the interest of good practice and admin, nor should we, <laughs> um, <laughs> because it, it was absolute madness. At the start of the day, Chelsea were closing it on Rubinho who was a Real Madrid player at the time. Which in itself would have been a real coup at the time. Yeah, that, of course, yeah. He was, he was a huge player. He was a very important player for Real Madrid. And I think he was... Maybe, Andy, you'll, you, perhaps you'll remember, he was kind of, sort of wrangling for more money at Real Madrid because he'd been one of their most important players. And then it was a bit like, well, sod it, I'm going to go to the Premier League. With they us. wanted to sell him. Right, okay. They, they realised they could cash in and they, they wanted to sell but they him. Wanted, but they cash in because he was such hot property at the time. Yeah, but he was hotter property for people who hadn't watched him weekly than, <laughs> than, 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 than people who had. So I got done with his show reel as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Still, though, it was, he was a huge name at the time. Yeah, he, he? Was, he was. Yeah, he was. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so, so Chelsea were closing in because Chelsea at the time, you know, were, uh, you know, soon in a Champions League final, blah, blah, blah. Um, Manchester United were expecting to sign Dimitar Berbatov from Tottenham for, for 27 million. And again, I can't stress that 27 million, I know it's a, it's a big fee now. It was an astronomical fee yes. back in those days. You know, I know people might think, oh, well, we know, but you, you don't forget how quickly, you know, like house prices in this ruddy country, how quickly they came, <laughs> became so overinflated and so on. It was madness, yeah. Um, uh, midway uh, through that morning, Sheikh Mansour's takeover of Manchester City went through. See, people forget this. I the forgot takeover that happened on the day. Exactly, which which massively fueled all this deadline day nonsense, of course. Because they'd already had a big summer. They'd signed a lot of players. They had. Like with Thaksin Shinawatra's kind of, I suppose, leftover money. <laughs> so people thought they were, they'd were they already had a big window, but then yeah. they sort of levelled up again. Well, Man City, they were building at the time. It was, a, it was I think it was a year later where they tried to sign Kakar and that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And he was... He yeah, was, there are a few tattoos uh, to do. That That's right, yeah, because yeah. without getting off topic, he, he too much, he was actually, because Milan said that they would sell him, he then sat down with Man City and they had meeting after meeting and mm. he thought long and hard because the money was huge and he thought, 
this project, I don't trust it enough. I, I think I'll be happier staying at Milan. Am I going to get my place in the Man City? <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of them, a lot of competition for places. You, a Man City? You don't want to be the talks. You don't want to be the first one to go. <laughs> no, it's basically no, what yeah. he's saying. <laughs> he needed to wait for Torre and Aguero and all those come, and then he would have been keen. He did leave for Real Madrid a few months later, though. But uh, but yeah, so Man City it was all happening there. So that takeover went through, and uh, Mark Hughes was the manager yep. at the time. That's what you would. That's what mm. they were dealing with. Um, so yes, uh, he very much he splurged. Uh, yeah, he, he couldn't believe his luck, could he? <laughs> Never going to get to do this again. Well, Absolute trolley dash. Was it now Bradford? Yep. Yeah, he's not well, doing less of that. Yeah. <laughs> day in was, it, was Hughes happy though with it? Because it wasn't he on the golf no. course and he, he was, was told. essentially just yeah given Rubinho, wasn't it? It wasn't like he signed it. Yeah, it was very much the well, they, setup. They there. also tried to outbid Manchester United for Berbatov. Yeah, as this well. is the thing that gets forgotten <laughs> as well. So <laughs> the thing that this, this is such a throwback to me is it's how contest when, for very rich men. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but oh, for, do you remember on the day? God. Spurs were furious with Man United because they'd only given City permission to speak to Berbatov. Right, and Man right. United just pressed on anyway with that whole, like, oh, yeah, yeah, shut up, shut up. You know, we're, yeah. we're Man United. And it's like, actually, that sort of behaviour is why people don't have sympathy for them now because mm. they actually used to behave in a <laughs> terrible way. Well, that's why Man City, as soon as they got the cash, they were like, right, let, let's try and outbid them. And, mm. and, of course, it would take a little longer for Manchester City to um, emerge from their shadow. But they were very much in the shadow. I mean, a senior Manchester United figure later said... Um, with regards to all this, everything was was actually quite relaxed. He said, "I was actually watching episodes of Frasier in my office while the formalities were being done." <laughs> They're calling again. <laughs> I mean, oh dearie me! But yeah, so uh, yeah, so Manchester City they turned to other targets, and the story goes that one senior figure at the club said, "This is getting messy." which prompted a member of staff to prepare a fax to Barcelona for Lionel Messi. I think that's bullshit. I think oh. it might be as well. But, but, oh, it's funny. God. it's on, not even a good story, I don't but, think. But but I heard say. Gary Cook's explanation of this. I found some quotes on this. Go on. Uh, so, so he said, um, this is Gary Cook talking about the transfer. He said, I told him to put the offer in and see what we come up with. This is after they've like, Gary. sort of, they've accidentally, they've had this, oh, let's, let's actually have a go. Let's see what happens. Right. He goes, I told him to put the offer in and see what, what we come up with. And Dave Richards called me the next day from the Premier League. He asked, Gary, have you put in an offer for Lionel Messi? 70 million. Are you mad? He said he'd had a call from Barcelona and they wanted to know if it was real. They were saying to Dave that if it was real, they might have done a deal a few weeks earlier. Bollocks. <laughs> that is hardball <laughs> bullshit of yes. the highest order. Yeah, but we know what Gary Cook's like. I mean, Gary Cook, to sum him up for those who don't know or have forgotten, he was one of the bigwigs at this time at Manchester City. And was it at their sort of annual dinner or some massive thing, stood up and referred to them as Manchester United? <laughs> yeah. How do you get that Good wrong? Stuff. I mean, that's David Cameron, I support West Ham. I mean, Aston yeah. Villa sort of stuff. You know? that's, that's like the best... Into, uh, that's the best introductory press conference ever, wasn't it? Um, oh. When I think I'm trying to think. Oh, was, oh, it was an introductory was, press conference. It is, it is, no, um, I'm, I'm thinking of Miguel Cardoso when he became coach uh-huh. of um, Celta Vigo. And he's like, oh, yeah. oh, I'm delighted to become coach of Deportivo La Coruña. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh, can't take that like back. So no, that, that's so bad. It's like it, when newsreaders swear, though, isn't it? It's just, it's, you know, it's the one thing you can't do. Yes. So mm. it, your brain might just sabotage but you. But that one, yeah. But that yeah. one is particularly bad because it, it, it's so bad. I have sympathy with Gary Cook now. Yeah. Manchester United and Manchester <laughs> City. Mm. It, it sounds a lot simpler than Celta Vigo and Deportivo La Coruña. <laughs> 
the, he got that the, wrong? The best one was when Polo Toure signed for City and said he was delighted to join Money City. <laughs> <laughs> incredible. That was good. That was very, very good. Well, of course, uh, Manchester City, they themselves on this uh, 1st September 2008, put in a then-British record a transfer fee of 32.5 million for Rubinho. He headed to the airport and told reporters <laughs> going on all this stuff that he was delighted to accept Chelsea's proposal before being corrected. And he went, oh yeah, Manchester, sorry. Didn't even specify. No. Just like, oh, you know, I'll play it safe now. I've got yeah. it wrong once, can't get it wrong twice. It's fair to say that when he turned up, he knuckled down and got on with things. That, that was always the... <laughs> That was always the difficulty yeah. for City, though, wasn't it? When they were trying to establish themselves internationally. Yes. That yeah. internationally, people referred to Manchester United as Manchester. Manchester. That's yeah. right, yeah. That often happens, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 I think, actually, as well, it's for younger listeners, this it's very difficult to get across what a big deal this seemed like at the time because yeah. Robinho went on to have, actually, quite a middling career. He had but moments, would, but yeah. It right. would almost be like Vinicius signing for Villa. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's hard mm. to find a direct comparison, That's but it right. was it was a huge deal for a club that was suddenly well, it, a big player. It, yeah, it felt, it felt it felt even bigger than that, really, mm. didn't it? It was it was just absolutely humongous. Well, it was like people often talk about uh, the, the transfer dealings and so on. Still a bit like the wild wild west. Yeah. And uh, when deadline day hit, it felt like there was a new dimension added to. It was an even wilder west. Yeah. Uh, when it all kind of when it all kicked off, but I mean there were some some remarkable ones really. I mean you remember when Arsenal signed Mesut Özil on the yeah, last yeah that day. was kind of a bit out of nowhere as well. That, like that is like whatever you think of transfer deadline day, and I've got to be honest, I think a lot of people are quite cynical about it. And obviously Sky do pump it up into this into this kind mm. of weird thing that isn't really a thing. Is Andy on there for balance now? Well, think? yeah, maybe so. But like, I, I, while, while I understand those criticisms, I also do kind of enjoy it. Like it's, yeah, I, I think I'm you, can, you can enjoy yeah. it. 100%. Because when that. you think about it, football is about hope. So Ooh, supporting yeah. football is about hope. Mm. And yeah, if you think of it, for 98% of us, our teams never win anything. Yeah. So that idea yeah. that there might be a one player who like pushes you over the top to win a title or stay up or just mm-hmm. win a couple more games and give you a bit of excitement. That's worth clinging to, I think. And the Ozil thing is interesting because I remember immediately after that and they showed all the Arsenal fans going nuts as he was coming in through that car park and and all the rest of it. And there were people dancing in the streets of London (laughs) North 5 holding up traffic, lying down, yeah. doing, <laughs> doing, doing the oops upside your head dance in the side of the road. Like that sort of pour, outpouring right. of spontaneous joy. Let me tell you, if you don't live in London, it never happens yeah. in London. <laughs> People will not make eye contact on the chin. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's quite a beautiful thing. Yeah, mm. and it can only happen when it happens out of the blue as well. Yeah. Like if that was yeah. a long, long drawn out saga and finally yeah. yes. he signed the contract to be like, oh, brilliant, but you're not going to get this mass like, mm. let's go to the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, just, well, let's just go. That's right. Like, it's just, it's a wonderful thing. And it, it was, is, you know, it, it kind of, you know, obviously there were clearly a lot of problems to the Ozil era, but, you know, Arsenal won trophies again. Um, yeah. and, and that when, was what we wanted. But it's just about that moment thing, right? it's, where it's all possibility. Exactly. Isn't it? When you yeah. say they all headed to the stadium, I mean, that used to happen with the, with the aforementioned Berbatov transfer to Manchester United. Yeah. But it's Manchester United yeah. in, in, their, their, in their glory years, of which lasted for a very long time. And they, outside the stadium, you had the reporter there saying, is it, is it going to happen? Because, of course, the, the, the clock was ticking. Loads of supporters down there. Berbatov mm. eventually turns up in his fanfare. There was a woman with like a little baby. You know, it's like 11 at night. It's like a cry out loud. No, no, we've all got to go. Sign my baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mad. Do you remember when uh, Roy Keane signed six players on deadline day? I don't. He, he managed to get in like... Sunderland. 
Yeah, yeah. He managed to get in Dwight York, Liam Miller, and a and four others. Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, just just in one day. That's that an incredible bit of work. Dwight York had reverted to being a midfielder. Yeah, he Remember. came back from Sydney. Did he? Did he got to come up? Yeah, he played the midfield. That's a proper Fergie move, isn't it? Right. That's a proper like. Oh, I want yeah. to be well, like it's Daddy. A cro- it's a, it's an attempt at a Fergie <laughs> move, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but it is like it is like you know back in the day, or, or even now when you checking the scores on your phone or or wherever. Um, you know, we get, it's like deadline day fans going, oh come on, you're right, Andy. Where's the hope? Are we really going to enter the season this way? Mm. And but. It's so funny how clubs would wait until that. Well, I don't think they'd wait, but all this stuff would suddenly be turbocharged on, on the last day. But the thing is, is, it's not funny how that happens. I think it's, it's clear why that happens. Because, because others start if, doing business. If, if, you, if you think about it, it's the, the way a lot of people say, why do players, or why do clubs, sorry, leave it to the last minute? Like, you know, a parent saying, why don't you just do your homework like a, a week before it's due in rather than mm. an hour before it's due in. Because you're out boogie the, 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 Exactly. The fact is that big club transfers are always going to be brinkmanship, mm. always going to be trying to get mm. marginal gains. So, you know, negotiations go on that long for for a reason, Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think, because there has to be a moment where someone blinks and that, that but, moment has to be the last yeah. possible but moment. You, and it's especially now cases. when you you might end up spending... What seventy million on a player that doesn't work out, and then that's a huge albatross. Speaking of experience, I am, yeah, Uh, and it's a huge uh, contract that you've then got to deal with later. So I remember. Do you remember when Liverpool spent 35 million quid on Andy Carroll? Oh, and yes. we were sort of thinking, God, is this going to be the future? This is actually going to be potentially really risky for clubs if these transfer fees go mm. that way. And they have. Mm. And now, so it's, as you say, it's that those was, marginal gains are so important. You're right, Jim. That was a great transfer deadline day. You remember, Pete? Like, so you have Andy Carroll, Fernando Torres, and more importantly, the helicopter. <laughs> the helicopter. Was Suarez the same day. I think it was certainly around the same time, wasn't it? Suarez and Carroll yep. signed in the same window. Is that Mike, what, Mike Ashley's helicopter? Whose helicopter was it? Well, there was a Ryan Barble one, wasn't there? That sort of, there was, I remember there was a helicopter incident with Ryan Barble or something. Really? Yeah. But uh, Michael Owen, there was definitely a helicopter involved. Oh, that was, was that when he was so in maybe Dubai. Freddie Shepard left the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I suppose, though, that when, you're, when you remind us all, or, or inform us, depending on where you're coming from, with that Mesut Ozil thing of people were dancing mm. in the streets of North London and all that kind of stuff, I think to myself, it's not the same as it was. You wouldn't get that now. No. Surely you wouldn't get that now. I mean, again, maybe if it was a smaller side and a massive name, but there's less chances of that happening. But I mean, there were there were there were two ends of that, weren't there? Firstly, that the fact that Mesut Özil was an absolute world superstar. No, sure. Let's not get that twisted. Mm. And also, Arsenal had gone through that early stage of yeah. the Emirates, not really spending any no, money. No, I'm not talking about the the, the 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 happiness. I'm talking about how it was um, it manifested itself. Because I think. Is there an argument that deadline day is just not as as big or as perhaps as important to the fans as it maybe was? I, uh, I think it's felt that way for sometimes because actually a deadline day can be really busy and really active, but without a sort of headline marquee name, it pales in comparison to what's come before because so many things have been quite extreme in the past. Mm. I have a suspicion that this window is going to be quite busy and intense because mm. there's a lot of deals still that needs to be done. I think actually it, it might be that this year, I don't know, there's something in the water this year, isn't it? Well, it's, like every, it's the everyone's season World Cup. Yeah, because international duty, if you're, isn't it? If you're or, a, yeah, exactly. If you're a player, you're th- normally you'd be thinking, actually, I'll sit on my massive contract, see what shakes out. If I don't play, I'll move in January. 
This time, if you're not playing now, yeah, you how are you going to get picked for mid-November? Well, I'll tell you what, the January transfer window could be quite big uh, and mm. deadline day then because it'll be off the back of the World Cup, Cup yeah. which yeah. is often, you know, a turbocharger. Here, buy this exhausted player. Absolutely yeah. right. <laughs> uh, but the, he did quite well in three games. Yes. Well, I, I find it, so, but if, if a manager has come from a league where they don't splash the cash as much and then they come to the Premier League for a big club, you do, they must think to themselves, well, all right then. And I'm, I'm looking at you, Ten Hag. You know, mm. although they seem to have made a few transfers already. But the first transfer window um, that Ed Woodward uh, oversaw at Manchester United uh, is one that sticks in the memory. I think you can all agree. It was the summer of 2013. They were after Gareth Bale, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo again, and Cesc Fabregas. Three players with with very distinguished careers. Because his trans- transfer strategy was the same as a little boy's. That's right. <laughs> like, looking back on that. Yeah. Gareth Bale went to Real Madrid. Let's Real... get Pele. Yeah. <laughs> Gareth Bale went to Real Madrid. Ronaldo renewed his contract on a better salary. And Fabregas did the same. Manchester United did end up signing Marouane Fellaini for £27.5 million on deadline day, which was their only signing of the window. Hey, but got that... Ronaldo in the end, though, didn't they? They, they did. And, uh, <laughs> and, and David Moyes was happy. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ramble. With deadline day coming, of course, some players have taken matters uh, into their own hands to get their desired move over the line. Players forcing moves can be a big part of it, of course. The famous one uh, back in 2013 in January was Pete Odenwinge uh, making that infamous car journey from West Brom to London. West Brom had turned down a two million bid from QPR, so Odenwinge drove to London himself on deadline day and arrived with hours remaining. Um, he found himself locked out of their training ground and was forced to return to West Brom. Yeah. What a sad story. It, it was. was mad, wasn't it? Because QPR wouldn't let him in. No. Essentially, they didn't want to 
disrespect West Brom because yeah. they, they had been in talks about the... This, this has been misremembered a bit, isn't it? People think he just picked bit. a club, drove mm-hmm. there and was like, do you want to sign me? Uh-huh. But they, the clubs had been in negotiation, but they couldn't reach an agreement. Um, and QPR essentially said, look, we've, you can on, we can only talk to a player if there's an agreement in place that isn't. We have to respect right, that and okay. respect West Brom. And we, we can't, but I'm we hard can't to let track, him in. baby, let me in. <laughs> I know. Players forcing moves is, is, is an interesting one. I mean, I, obviously it wasn't deadline day per se, but I mean, Harry Kane tried to do it. Yeah, not yeah, that long ago, true, you know yeah, what I mean? But on deadline day, again, it's all really you it's know, a bit, charged up. You're just going to upset the people who've just, you know, put together the calendar for the year, aren't they? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, what... what Sky Sports News was so good at going back to the, the vintage moments of deadline day oh, yeah. is the footage of Odomiki trying to get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, was, that was incredible. But Dimitri Payet did that oh, back, yes. back, back in the day. He um, took the Euro, st- uh, he, sorry, he took the TGV up to uh, up to Paris to try and force a move to PSG. That's right. Marseille legend Dimitri <laughs> yeah, Payet. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he just, he just shuffled about in, in, in Paris and, you know, his, his agent gave him a ring and said, "Yeah, look, look, I'm good. Sign me." Yeah, he was, he was just at Macadies in Gardenor having a, having several coffees until uh, his agent said it's not happening. Come back. Oh, oh. some some of the the, the romance of, of Paris, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Straight to Lovelock Bridge. <laughs> I was here. No, I think uh, you you do get some interesting techniques from players to try and force moves and so on, which is always quite interesting. Trying to read between the lines and yeah. so on. Um, but I, I, yeah, I I find it funny when players. Or when when clubs try and force a player out, and they're not having it, the aforementioned Gareth Bale. Mm. But do you, do you remember? Um, I suppose this wasn't a, a forced move. But do you remember when Hulk was playing for Porto? Yes. And I forget which Russian club it was. Maybe Zenit. Zenit, who he went to. Yeah, and again at the time, this was outrageous money. They bid like forty million quid or something for him, and the, and the Porto president was just a bit like, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and then they got to like I don't know, it was about the forty million mark, and then Zenit just went no, and and hung up the phone, and he was like, well, I, I, oh no, and he's gone. <laughs> see, Porto, <laughs> but he did later go there though. Porto do do a good transfer deadline day. They of, do, of, of course. Yeah, but he was a bit too. Yeah, he was a bit too greedy. He kept asking for more, well, asking for more. It's, it's what, more. what we talked about before, wasn't it? Brinkmanship. I mean, yeah, you had yeah. that before. João Moutinho, before uh, Spurs move training grounds, he was at the old Spurs lodge waiting to sign at what, half past 10? Mm. On a, I guess it must have been a Monday night or something. Yeah. And um, he, was, he, was, he was sat there in reception waiting for the call that never came. I know, yeah. And there's a sense with every club at the start, of, like at the end of a season, it's like, right, we know what positions we need to strengthen in. We know what players we need to move on. Let's get our business done as quickly and professionally as, pro- as possible so we've got a pre-season with all of the squad. Mm. And it's just beyond your control, yes. isn't it? It's just Absolutely because the players right. in particular that you want to sell, you have to wait until the other clubs have got their, their business in order and then mm. you've got agents trying to sort of prolong it and trying to get the best deal they it's can. Like it's like a housing like, it's chain. It's just out of your control. It's absolutely but that. No, but, no, but nowadays, like teams like uh, Barcelona, on a, a kind of they've kind of mobilised or, or, or weaponised their fans to sort of really have a go at players who are perceived to not want mm-hmm. to move on. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah you know, true. Let the Arsenal fans get out of the club. As well. Get out of the club. It's like honour your contract. You know, yeah, yeah. sit on the. You know, I, I I have no issue with footballers sitting on the bench and sitting uh, training with the under twenty ones. If if they want to keep the money, just keep the bloody money. They well, how the much do you think the media plays a part in all this sort of hype and everything up? And, and Usually, yeah, they just, they just sort of say, oh, well, they have to move on before they make money. Well, before they, well, that's tough tough yeah. shit, isn't it? You've you've written contracts now. So S- speaking of media, what do you reckon happens to all these photos 
the welcome to the club photos of signings that yeah. never happened. Yeah. Like you think mm. Nabil Fekir to Liverpool, yeah. Dan James to Leeds the first time. I mean, oh, it, but he ended up there though, so it's kind of yeah, but like quite you've got quite to update a bit. the kit though, haven't you? Well, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. That ends up in the safe in Mar-a-Lago. That's you know, <laughs> yeah. you're not just never seeing these pictures. Right, it'll be released in like 50 years. <laughs> yeah, but a the, big yeah, annual. Declassified. Of them. The, yeah. the, the Dan James one was extraordinary because it was shown in the Leeds documentary, wasn't mm. it? And um, you forget sometimes, I think we forget like all the staff at the club, what it must be like for them. Mm. I mean, you saw uh, Victor Orta, the sporting director of Leeds, after Dan James, he was sat there in his little coat, yeah. like wait, waiting for it. And uh, in, in the end, like Swansea didn't let it happen and it, it, it didn't go through the deadline pass. And, and Victor Orta goes, goes back to his office for a cry. Oh. It's, it's awful. That is awful, Andy. That's tough. Why are you bringing that to the table? Deadline <laughs> <laughs> is about hope and happiness. I'm saying, think of the sporting directors. That's what I'm saying, Marcus. Yeah, all right, okay. I will think of them from now on. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I, I've, I am intrigued with the, the role of the reporter in in in, in all this. Where it's usually on on, on skies, as we say, outside the ground. I mean, if nothing's, I love it when they go to them. They're just like, yeah, nothing's happening. I have to fill for a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah. Blah 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 blah. Nothing. Some local kids trying yeah. to rob me of my dignity. <laughs> exactly. And wallet. The, 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 I think the the best one of this was uh, our favourite. Uh, Gary Cottrell, who was ambushed by the uh, internet prankster Simon Brodkin in 2014, who got out of a Bentley pretending to be new signing Jason Bent. Um, go with the surname Bent. It's bound to be Bent or Dembele. You'll be, uh, mm. you, you'll be all right with either mm. of them. Cottrell reported, um, a false thing is happening here. <laughs> a false thing is happening here. <laughs> it was here. really funny. He's probably like, I, I, I want you to know that I know this is a joke. <laughs> well, Simon Brodkin Play was just like, it. just, just doing, doing lines in yeah. the red round as well, essentially. Just Gave him exactly laugh. what he wanted. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, dear me. Silly bellies. Oh, very silly. Apparently he had to put down some vanishing spray to keep the crowd back, which obviously didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, do you, do you think the sort of the big broadcasters like Sky and all, are they are they are they as relevant? And I say this as with Andy going on there quite a bit. Are they... <laughs> even even rolling twenty four hour coverage, you sort of of this sort of thing media. is still slower than the lies on social media, and they're more fun. So social media bullshit, ITKs and all that stuff. It it's more fun than than actual. Yeah. And I'm using journalism in massive parent, uh, massive yes, yes, uh, yes. inverted commas. Um. So yeah, it's it, it moves even too slow for for, for that. But well, even assuming... for the ticker. For the live ticket. Aren't we yeah. assuming that everyone gets their news from Twitter? Like, you know, it's only a percentage of the, the, yeah, the population. Yeah, something like 11% of yeah. the country. Well, yeah. according to, who's your man? Um, uh, the, you know, the authority on, on transfers. Uh, Fabrizio Romano? Yeah. Mm. According to him, everybody listens to him. More of an Ornstein man myself. Oh, yeah. I would be as well. Mm. Um, <laughs> or you would be if you supported Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's going on? Um, it's not as relevant, but it is still relevant. I mean, Andy makes a good point that not everyone is on on Twitter in particular. But I mean, it's I'll probably be watching it on deadline day. Mm. I'll be also like furiously refreshing Twitter as well yeah. about you know, yeah. various players linked with Arsenal and, and elsewhere. Um, Do you miss but, seeing Harry Redknapp leaning out of his car window? Uh I don't know that I ever think about it, so let's say no. <laughs> well, Pete said that Roy Keane signed six players on deadline day. Harry Redknapp himself, he signed uh, on, on January transfer deadline day alone. And bear in mind, that's a little quieter than the summer one. Mm. Um, an accumulative total of, of January transfer deadline days, he signed 18 players. How many of them were Nico Crenshaw? <laughs> <laughs> At least 12. 
Um, dear me. One one thing, chaps, before we go, we have to talk about um, is uh, all the fine detail and the paperwork that happens, obviously, to get these transfers over the line. And I I love the fact that some of them, some of them don't happen. And some mm. of them obviously do, and you think, well, surely if they've agreed and so on, no, you've got to get the paperwork in. Fax machines yes. uh, are, uh, are are a huge part of uh, deadline day, of course. But, or were. Uh, yeah, well, they, they were. have a new system now, don't they? But Transfer the matching recent. system, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm a bit more old school. But you, you, can, you can still have your Wi-Fi go down. I mean, yeah. mm. you know, it can you happen. Can, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, but fax machines have played an important part um, throughout the history of deadline day. One incredible story came on, on the 1st of September 2008 in Italy, when uh, Diego Melito's move from uh, Real Zaragoza to Genoa, um, that, that, the window shut at 7pm because the door to the temporary uh, league office in a hotel closed at 7pm. Um, <laughs> uh, incredible. Uh, Genoa's directors were waiting in the queue uh, waiting for a fax from Zaragoza. It arrived at 6.55pm. By the time Melito's agents had rushed to the office, it was closed with uh, security blocking the door. Wow. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> however, knowing that the office was just a, a cubicle with no roof, Melito's agent threw the paperwork over the wall at two minutes past seven, where the Genu- Genoa directors collected it, and the deal went through. Yes, like a like a uh, is it you call it a buzzer beater or whatever in basketball? They kind of just yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The stock clock. <laughs> Reminds me of uh, Alan Partridge getting his contract for his second series signed at BBC. just uh, you missed a. Uh, <laughs> I, def- I find that incredible when you when you have two massive football clubs. Mm. They've agreed everything. It's all happening, mm. and, and, it, and literally the time runs out. Yeah. But then the, the the window has to slam shut at some point. It's got to stop somewhere, hasn't it? Yeah, mm. much it like doesn't, this. It never just closes, does it? No, it's always it's slammed. slam shut, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, are we slamming this podcast shut, Andy? Mind your fingers. Indeed, indeed. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us on another Football Ramble Guide too. Remember, we want your ideas for what to talk about next. We've had loads so far. Uh, thank you very much for them. Uh, we're going to work through our favourites as the season goes on. If you fancy learning more about one of football's great players or managers or one of its daftest traditions, then get in touch and tell us. Email showatfootballramble.com or tweet us at footballramble with your suggestions. We shall see you next time. Thank you very much, Andy. Thank you. Thank you, PT. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. See you soon. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.